We're going to continue worship in the Word today, and uh, I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer as we open the Word of God that He would reveal Himself to us this time. Uh, join me in prayer. Father God, today we've come into your house to sing praises to your name, to give testimony to the great work you're doing, to set at your feet and to learn from you, to listen to your voice, that we would know you and respond to you. I thank you today for this time to spend in your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would dwell in each of us, in our eyes and our ears, and in all of our senses that we could fully engage with you and be hearing you speak today through your word. I pray that the words I share aren't mine but yours. I pray that uh, the sinfulness in me that wants the glory would be, would be quashed, Father God, that you would be made known, you'd be made famous today. And uh, we stand today at your feet and uh, just worship you. We give you praise and glory for your word, for this time and for your revelation to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we're going to, I'm going to um, open up with, here with uh, Matthew 28. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab one of ours. Um, and I want to talk through a little bit of scripture uh, this morning um, as we continue in worship. We've been talking about Matthew 28 uh, for, for a few weeks now. Um, and this is kind of this jumping off point. But one of the things I want to talk uh, about today, and we mentioned it last week a little bit, it's this idea that we have this thing called the Great Commission where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And many people, and maybe you're getting there, where you can say that, you know, you know what that means, at least. You at least heard it a few times at this point, right? But last week I mentioned something to you, and I want to dig into it a little bit this week, because it's easy for us to read that and say, oh, we've got to go make disciples, hurry up quick, let's be a church and make disciples. But the, the key component when Jesus speaks in Matthew 28 is he does this thing where he, he begins in verse 18 speaking to his disciples, and he ends in verse 20. And in the middle he says the go make disciples stuff, but it's very important that we understand at the beginning that he begins this by saying these words. Read with me in verse 18 of the Gospel of Matthew. It says this, then Jesus came to them, the disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, right? So that's where he begins. Then he gives the command that we know, go and make disciples, baptizing and teaching them to, to obey. And then he wraps up by saying this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And, and so I mentioned this in passing last week, but I want to take just a, a some time to open up with this today because Jesus gives us the command to go make disciples. But here's the truth. He, he puts this command not on our shoulders. He, he puts it right in the middle of his ability, right, and his longevity. He places it right in the middle. He says, I want you to see the words here. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he says, therefore, or for that reason, I'm going to fix this. Go and make disciples of all nations. And then at the end, he says, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Now, I'm not sure if you're good at history or not. I'm not very good at history. I don't care for history. I apologize if you love history. It's not a, I'm not trying to offend you. I just don't care for it. But I know this much about history. Jesus said this about 2,000 years ago, and the end of the age hasn't come yet. Okay, so this command still stands around us, you and I. This promise still stands around us where he says, all authority has been given to me, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. 
And so we find ourselves encapsulated in this promise of Jesus. It's a really, really big deal. I want to back up one verse and show something else to you, which is really interesting. Jesus shows up to talk to the 11 disciples. The 11 disciples, you remember there were 12, but Judas betrayed him and went and killed himself. There's 11 left, right? And Jesus comes and reveals himself to the 11 who are left. And look at what it says in verse 17. When they saw him, some worshiped him and some doubted. Isn't that interesting? And, and to the worshipers and the doubters, Jesus says these words, all authority on heaven, on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. And then he says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus makes his promise to those who are worshiping and those who are doubting. He's saying the truth is the truth, and I am proclaiming it. And he, and he speaks this to everyone in the room. I think it's fascinating, fascinating that he's speaking to a room full of doubters and worshipers. I don't know where you find yourself this morning. More toward the doubter side or more toward the worshiper side. Maybe you're here and you're skeptical. Maybe you're here and you're 100% sold out. But Jesus is speaking to all of us. He wasn't afraid of that. And he said, go and make disciples. But he said it because of his promise and his authority. And I think we can, we can miss that and miss the whole point. Someone said to, this morning we were chatting, they said, you know, it's not our job. It's God's job. And that's true. It's Jesus' name and power that brings people to repentance, not ours. It's not our wisdom or our ability. It's him and his glory. I wonder, though, as we continue, and we're going we're gonna to dig in, I wonder if, if we knew, if we really believed that, 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 the, that what Jesus said was true, his promises were true, that all authority has been given to him, and therefore we can go and make disciples of all nations, and, and, and surely he is with us even now, right? Not just them in the room when he ever showed up, but even now, 2,000 years later, Jesus is saying, I am surely with you. I wonder how we would live differently if, if we lived into the power of that reality, if we acknowledged it, if we uh, owned it, if we believed it. See, I think that we take those words, we put them on the history shelf. We say, well, that's ancient history. Those were the apostles. But the end of the age hasn't come. And so we live in this time of Jesus' power and rule and domain. I wonder how our lives would be different if we knew as a follower of Jesus that at the end we will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. We will claim no glory for ourselves. We will just have served him. But we'll hear the words because why? Because we did it, we mustered? No, because he said, all authority is given to me and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. That's profound stuff. To, ha to have confidence in the promises of Jesus. Today, I want to talk through some promises of Jesus. I'll tell you why it's a big, big deal to know what God promises. I've asked you before, and we've come back to this theme a few times. This, by the way, we're going to be doing a, a new series in a few weeks. We've got a couple of Sundays we're going to be kind of talking about individual things, and this is one of those Sundays. But I've talked to you about this idea of promises a few times. I remember one time I asked the church, I said, do you know some promises? And, and you all shared some things with me. I'm not going to do that today. But, but I, I was thinking about this. I thought, well, what's the deal about promises? What's, what's the huge issue with promises. And so there were two kind of big deals, I thought, you know, this is where promises get us into a lot of trouble, you know, risks that we have. And the first is, um, is that we need to know uh, what God promises. Like, it's a real danger to not know what he promises over us. 
You know, if the God of the universe has spoken truth over you and you don't know what that truth is, that's a big risk in your life. You could go your whole life having the keys to the kingdom of heaven and not know it because you didn't know that was a promise that he made over you. You could go your whole life and not know that the things that you bind will be bound in heaven and the things that you release will be released in heaven and you will never acknowledge that because you don't know it's a truth that God has spoken over you. And these are hard things, but we need to know. And the time that we shared one time as a church, you know, did God make promises? You know, some people shared some things that, that God has said through his scripture over all of us. These are timeless truths that we can live into. We can believe and other people shared some things that, that God had revealed to them. You know, this morning, uh, Colin gave testimony of some things that God revealed to him. But here's the truth, and I'm sure coming out of Canuck, it's the same deal. You check all things. You check it in the community of God. You check it through prayer. You check it through scripture. Does this, this make sense? This is how God works. Because here's the second risk with not understanding God's promises over us. The first is that we would not know what God promises. And the second is that we would make stuff up that God never said. We do this a lot. I think we make bigger errors here than maybe on the stuff that God, because we don't know what God really said, but we'll, we'll just say what we think God, what we want God to say. You know, it's not like a great promise to me. <laughs> Give me a friend like Colin because I need a new car. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, God, I, I, was, I was reading something, and, and this guy was saying, he was a non-believer, and he's like, I can prove that God isn't real, you know, because I prayed that God would put a million dollars in small unmarked bills in my basement, and it ain't there yet. Right? God didn't promise us a million dollars in small unmarked bills in our basement. It's crazy. And we stand and we say, you know, and, but, but what's worse is we would say these things as believers in Jesus Christ. We would say, yes, I, I accept that he died for me, and I'm, I'm, re, you know, I'm, I'm repentant for my sin, and I'm a new creation in Christ, and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, and by the way, God's promised me these things. And you know what? It's not true. We just made it up. It's dangerous to not know the promises of God. I pray that if nothing else today, through this time in the word, that you and I would be compelled to at least know what God said. And, and the things that come up that we think, we think God said it, let's check it out and see if God really promised that or not. Is that really, really what God said? These are the two kind of ditches that we can get off when we don't understand the promises of God. I'm going to ask you to turn with me to our main scripture for the day. This is from the Gospel of John. And it's going to be John 14, four verses we're going to look at. John 14, 1 through 4. By the way, that's on page, what is that, 749, if you use one of our Bibles. Um, and uh, you can find it on your own if you have your own. <laughs> I just want to read this together and talk through it a little bit. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says these words to them. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know to the, the way to the place that I am going. He speaks these words to disciples, to followers of his. 
And I think it's important for us right now. You know, we stand at an interesting time. And why is it a big deal to know what God promises? Because God's assurance gives us stability, gives us understanding. Eternal truths are revealed into our heart through the promises of God. But, uh, but it's important to know that in this passage of Scripture, you see, we can read that. And, you know, we read the thing that says, um, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me, right? Jesus says us to disciples. You go, yeah, well, that's easy for them because he was in the room with them. Let me tell you the story. Jesus had an amazing ministry on earth. He had thousands of people following him for food. He, he had gone to a wedding feast and made w- water into wine. He had taken and touched lepers and healed them. He had spit in the dirt and rubbed it on blind guys' eyes, and they had seen. His disciples couldn't believe the things that were happening. More and more crowds were following him. They were crushing him. They wanted him to heal them. People tore holes in roofs to be healed. There was, he was like a rock star. There was a, a huge following. He was making a ruckus. And in that time, guess what? He never had to say, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Listen, the time that he said this to the disciples is after he enters into Jerusalem. You see, by now, he starts saying hard things like, you, you, have, to, you have to eat my body and drink my blood. Well, that's a hard teaching. You, you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. That's a hard teaching. And he starts to say things that that are true for the kingdom of God. He says, like, the least among you will be the greatest. He he has gone and he has washed the feet of his disciples. And and he's in this time with them, this time between this great, amazing ministry where everybody wants to be involved to this time where he's got a handful of disciples who are even afraid to go ahead of him. He says, go ahead. There's a preparation made, and they're not really sure. You see, it comes as this winnowing is happening in his ministry. Fewer and fewer people are following Jesus. Fewer and fewer people think he's worthy to be followed. Fewer and fewer are willing to take the risk that he's putting before them. Some of the disciples had said, don't go back to Jerusalem. This is a bad idea. You see, Jesus here, when he makes these promises to his followers, He has his eyes fixed on the cross. And he knows what's coming. And he's heading straight for it. And see now into this place. Jesus says to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. See, they're scared. They're nervous. They're unsure. They're not confident anymore. They don't know what to believe. And he speaks words of assurance and promises over them. I don't know where you're at in your life right now, you know. I don't know if, if it all makes sense, if, if all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. I don't know if you're there right now. But I hope that you understand that the promises of God are not just for when things are going great and awesome and wonderful, but the promises of God are for when we're down in that deep, dark place when we're, when we're going, there is no way out of here. And Jesus shows up and says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I want to show you a few promises that he makes here in this dark place for the disciples, in this place where um, they're really not sure what's coming next. 
And Jesus makes a few promises in, 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 over them in their, uh, in their future, I guess you would say, in their lives. He says these things starting in verse 2. Jesus says that in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. He has room for us in his kingdom, right? So he's speaking to these guys, and he's, and, he, and he's saying, there's plenty of room where I'm going for each one of you. What's interesting, actually, about, about the Greek here is that some people have translated this as saying mansions. There are many mansions in my father's homes. And I thought, well, that sounds good because I need some space. You know what I mean? Like, if Jesus can make a promise for me, I want, like, a three-car garage with an in-ground pool, a mansion, you know? The Greek actually says that there are plenty of individual spaces in God's kingdom. In other words, he's got room for you. I was talking to someone recently, and they were very unsure, and they're like, you know, what if there's a limited number of seats? How are we going to get in? What do I have to do? Jesus says, I promise that there's room for you in my Father's kingdom. He says this. He says, if it were not so, I would have told you. I would have told you. He promises to his disciples, and he promises to you and me that there is room in his kingdom for us. Room in his kingdom. That's a big, big deal. I mean, because ultimately, this experience of life, this experience of, 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 uh, of, of just being a human, is ultimately an individual one. We live in community, and we love in community, and it's an awesome gift to us. But the truth is that ultimately, we all have to have a place to go, each of us. This week, I was talking to someone about the great um, author, C.S. Lewis. He'd written a book called Surprised by Joy. And one of the things that he said, his wife was dying of cancer, and he was, he was really uh, upset about this. He's a great theologian, a great man of God, and he was lamenting it. He was hating the cancer, and he was upset, and he was talking to her. And he said this very loving, compassionate promise to her. He said, Joy, if I could, if I could have any wish, I would wish to die at the very same moment as you. So we would not have to be apart. That's pretty good stuff, ain't it? Say that to your husband, your wife. You're serious. He says in his book, my wife, in infinite wisdom, said, even if we were holding hands and we shared the very last breath, we would not go together. It's about knowing God. It's about being in relation with him. It's about knowing his promises. And it's about Jesus saying, there are plenty of individual rooms, and if it were not so, I would have told you differently. The reality is that at the end, when we need him the most, he is there for each one of us. Jesus makes these promises. If it were not so, I would have told you the next promise he makes to his disciples and to us is that he says, I am going ahead for your sake. He says, I'm going ahead to prepare a place for you. I I'm doing work before you get there. I got a plan. It's going to be okay. Because we can be fearful. We can be anxiety-ridden. We can be unsure of the future. And, and Jesus promises here, and he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back for you. 
So he goes ahead for our benefit. Now, I want to remind you again that this is a scary thing because these disciples were the ones that didn't quit following him. They're the ones that are going, I'll do that too. I'll go through the Jerusalem gates and I'll show up and I'll go in there and I think you're going to get killed and it's going to be bad, but we're going to try and see what happens. And in this place, Jesus said, now I'm going to go ahead of you and it's for your benefit. And we have to know that every time. You know what I'm saying? Like, you go, God, where are you? What's going on? Jesus is like, I'm ahead of you for your benefit. I'm preparing a place. And then here's the fourth promise he makes to the disciples and to you and I. And it's that if he goes ahead and makes a pla- or prepares a place uh, for us, surely I'm coming back to get you so that you can be with me. He says to the disciples, surely if I go and prepare a place, I'm coming back to, so you can be with me. Right? These four promises that he makes, that you can rely on me, on God, in times of need, that there's plenty of room for you in my Father's kingdom, that I'm going ahead for your sake, and that I'm coming back to get you. You know, those are like life-transforming truths, because ultimately, that's what we need. The very last verse is interesting because he says, you know the place to where I am going. Now, if you read on, and I would encourage you to do that in your own time, read on, because Thomas is like, how do we know where we're going? What's the way? How, you know? And I think, you know, do, do we know where we're going? As followers of Jesus, do you know where you're going? And I don't mean that question. I guess maybe I do mean that question, you know, do you know where you're going? You know, when you take that individual journey. At the end of life, do you know where you're going? But Thomas asks the question, and Jesus answers it. I encourage you to read that. But the question I have is, do you know where you're going? Do you know these promises that Jesus has made over you? So you can say, yeah. Yeah, I know. So I, w- I want to talk about something about these promises that Jesus makes over us and about what he said. And here's the thing. See, I'm kind of on this kick right now. I'm thinking about the fact that in Matthew, he's speaking to doubters and to worshipers. He's speaking to everyone, you see. And what he makes the disciples do here is make a decision about who he is, right? And, and, there, and there's, a, it, there's some decisions that we have to make about who Jesus is in our life. You, I want you to remember the promises that he made here, right? Those four promises that he made. That you can trust me in times of anxiety. There's plenty of room for you. I'm going ahead, but I'm coming back for you. And we have to decide a few things. And here's some things that, that people have decided about Jesus who died on the cross. There are some things that people today have decided, some people I've talked to in the last week have decided about Jesus. The first thing is that Jesus could be a liar, and a fraud. He could have said these things to the disciples because he didn't want to be abandoned at the last minute. So he's like, listen, listen, guys, just stay with me. I'm going to go right down the road and I'll be right back. You know what I mean? He could have made a false promise about himself. And that would make him a liar and, a, and, and fraudulent. He would not be speaking truth. There are people who claim this about Jesus. He was just lying all the time. That's a valid conclusion if you believe that. The second is that Jesus was crazy and misguided. There's actually a scripture to back this up. There are people in scripture who said, you're, you're, you've lost your mind. When he starts saying the kingdom of God is near, where else would I be in my father's house? If you know me, you know the father. 
if you've seen me, Jesus said, you've seen the Father. There are people then and people now who would say, he's crazy, he's misguided. He's not lying, he just doesn't know the difference. Who is Jesus? And the third option is that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. That Jesus was God in the flesh. That the promises that he made are different than any other promises because it wasn't a guy hoping for the best, but it was the God of the universe who come in flesh to promise humanity something that no one else could promise. And then he speaks these things over his disciples and they have some confidence in what he says. Now, I'll remind you that, that you know, when we talked about Matthew 18, that there were doubters and worshipers in the mix, okay? I want to remind you of some things that Jesus said. I said one of them a minute ago. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, my Father. That's in John 14, 9. He spoke those words. In John 14, 3, we just read, he said, I will come back for you, right? And here's what's interesting to me about these three uh, options of what we think of Jesus. He was actually killed by men for the first two. That was the accusation. He's a liar. He's fraudulent. He's crazy, misguided, but he needs to die because he's, he's causing a mess. And so men killed Jesus for the first two beliefs because you, you don't knowingly kill God. You don't knowingly enter into that. But here's the amazing truth of the gospel. While men killed Jesus for the first two beliefs. Jesus, our Savior, died for the third. He died because he's the very Son of God. And each one of us have to make a decision about Jesus in our life and who he is. We have to. And you can make one of those three choices. And even Jesus himself, when he was speaking to his disciples, he asked this question. Yeah, great, but who do you say that I am? I mean, who do you say that I am in your heart? Who do you say I am through the way you live your life? Who do you say that I am the way you pray, the way you eat, the way you live, the way you work? Who do you say that I am to you? So here's the cool thing. John 14 happened before Matthew 28. Right? Do you see that? You see, he spoke these promises to his followers. And he said, I'm going ahead to prepare a place for you. You can have confidence. Don't be anxious about anything. I'm coming back for you. Surely I'm coming back for you. I want to remind you that in Matthew 28, whenever he says, go and make disciples of all nations, this is not Jesus who's been teaching ministry. This is not Jesus who's been healing. This is Jesus who has been dead. This is Jesus who has been raised. And this Jesus, who, what, has kept a promise that no one could keep, says to his disciples, to you and me, listen, all authority on heaven and earth is given to me. So go make disciples, because I'm going to be with you to the very end of the age. Paul records this. In Romans 5, he says, Romans 5, 8 says this, God demonstrated his own love for us in this, 
that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's a truth for you and for me. The truth is that, that Jesus didn't come to me whenever I was all churched up and ready to go. He didn't come to me whenever I had done enough good stuff. He didn't come to me whenever I had said the right words or behaved the right way. He comes to us broken and lost and hopeless. And into that place, he says, I made promises about you. And Paul, who knew Jesus, said the great love of God is this, that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. So today, I just want to give you a chance, again, to decide who Jesus is in your life. And if you've never thought, and I, I hope that all the junk garbage falls away and you can be like, if you are yet a sinner, and we are all yet sinners, you know, there's a reality for all of us in this, but if you have never acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you a chance to do that right now. And it's no magic. I can't say it enough. God will move in your heart. And if you don't do it now, he'll do it sometime because you're his. But if you're today saying, I am yet a sinner, this is for you, please join me in prayer right now. Father God, we've come into your house and we've sang praises to you in our broken way. We've tried to glorify you through our thoughts and our words, our, our songs and our reflections. But today we know it all falls short because in some way we're all sinners and we have no right claim to you. And yet today we hear Paul remind us of your great promise that while we're yet sinners, you died for us. If there are brothers and sisters here today, people who don't yet know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that today they would accept the promise you made. I pray that today it would not be about being good enough anymore or acting the right way, but it'd be about a sinner who needs to be saved. Today we claim that promise in the name of Jesus Christ. We admit our sin and we open our hearts to you. Father, may you work through your mighty son to bring us to repentance. We give you praise and glory for that. We pray, Father, the decisions that are made today aren't for man, but they're for you. They aren't even maybe for us. They're for you because we're yours. And I pray that you would seal our hearts with your Holy Spirit, that you would take off the old things and put on the new things, that we could be new creations after your own heart. May you be glorified through this transformation, and may we know the truth that you have promised over us. We love you. We thank you for the time of prayer and the time of worship. In Jesus' name, amen.